usually we don't hear a faith story very long before that person mentions some life-changing circumstance. You listen and think, this isn't a positive, a plus. This is actually a minus. And you hear them talk about being in the middle of circumstances that no one would ever sign up for. Uh, They come out of the other side saying, God did something in the middle of that circumstance that I'm really not sure he could have done any other way. Again, I wouldn't have signed up for it the first time, or I wouldn't do it again, or I wouldn't wish it on anybody else. But I'm not sure God could have done that in my life except for that pivotal circumstance. That sort of defining moment, the, the times when God seemed far away, but on the other side of those circumstances, wow, there is a God who knows my name. And those pivotal circumstances can be both positive and negative. Uh, you may have heard the stories of people uh, sort of traveling around the world to, to help people in need, and that thing grew their faith. And it sort of opened up their eyes to what God is doing around the world. You may have heard the stories of people who had their first child, and sort of the miracle of childbirth, it got their attention. You may have heard the stories of people who, who got a promotion at work. You may have heard the stories of people who uh, you know made a breakthrough in their own lives, or they saw a breakthrough in someone else's life that God can use the positive circumstances of life to grow our faith. Oftentimes, though, God uses the negative circumstances of our life to grow our faith as well. The things that sort of come out of the blue, uh, the phone call or text, the information you weren't expecting to get, that conversation with your child. And suddenly we're faced with these circumstances that, that are not just a part of our life, but are bigger than life. And we don't know where to go or what to do. It's in those moments where God is introduced or maybe reintroduced into the conversation of our lives. And for people who sort of grew up in a religious tradition where you weren't taught how to actually talk to God, uh, for people who grew up with prayer as just sort of a routine that you memorized, for people who grew up believing that there wasn't a God who cared about them because they'd never seen that before, suddenly, despite our religious background, many of us in these pivotal circumstances We almost all find ourselves for the first or maybe the millionth time on our knees calling out to God. And when we call out to God like that, we're inviting him or allowing him into our lives on a whole new level. And most of the time, it is the big, unexplainable, negative circumstances where something begins to happen in a person's faith. Uh, Maybe it it couldn't happen any other way, actually. We're in this series called Habits 2.0 where we're looking at the five big ways that God grows our faith and how our responses or our habits or our rhythms with God can intersect the ways that God grows our faith. Uh, Today's habit that can grow our faith is not something that you can control or do much about. It's actually sort of out of our hands. And again, there's not much you can do about it except one thing. And today we're going to talk about pivotal circumstances. Uh, The job opportunity that maybe that didn't pan out. The divorce, the cancer, uh, the birth of a special needs child, losing a child the car accident, the diagnosis, the relationship ending, the birth of a child, the family member dying, the global tragedy, the phone call, the strategic reorganization, the lunch, the person leaving your life. Those circumstances that most of us have gone through or or you hear other people going through, and we say things like this, we say, uh, that helped me know who God is. Uh, It once seemed like it was like testing my faith, but now at that moment, I sort of gave God everything. That circumstance reminded me that God is actually with me, and it strengthened my faith. And God entered my life in a whole new way. And it can be faith-building to hear the story of someone going through incredible trials or difficulties and hearing how their faith in God stayed strong through that. That something happens to our faith, and, and our faith in God sort of becomes personal, right? And right now, we are all in a pivotal circumstance. 
And what we will talk about today will most likely not feel emotionally satisfying. But the purpose today, though, is to give context for how we view what God may use in our life to help us. Uh, C.S. Lewis famously said it this way in his book, The Problem of Pain. He said, God whispers to us in our pleasure, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. If, if you're new to Christianity or sort of coming back to faith or you're a skeptic or a cynical person like many of us watching right now can be from time to time, when we hear, the, when we hear people proclaim that God is good and loving and, and then bad things sort of happen to good people, it can be very easy to think that this is just sort of a Christian's way to excuse away or explain away the reality of this world, to sort of keep this ancient faith that they want to be true. And however, though, there, there's sort of an undeniable link between the big, bad, terrible circumstances and our faith. That even if you think the connection is a decreasing faith, there is a connection. And the hard truth is that these are not accidental connections. The relationship between terrible circumstances and faith is something God has used throughout human history to grow our faith. That James, brother of Jesus, who was really in the middle of his brother dying on a cross and raising from the dead, uh, and what we're going to read today really wasn't something that was written just to sort of hold up an ancient faith in Jesus. This was something written right in the middle of the activity that started faith in Jesus. And here's what he said about the relationship between circumstances and faith. We're going to be in James chapter 1, uh, verse 2, starting verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Verse 3, because you know that the t- testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now you might ask, like, the testing of your faith, and he's saying that there's a connection between the trials that you experience and the circumstances you will face and your faith. That the testing of your faith produces something. It produces persevering faith. Uh, Verse 4 says this, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. It's not accidental that Christians and non-Christians both face these difficult circumstances. It's not accidental that in the middle of these circumstances, their faith in God is impacted in some way. And this is one of the major ways that God grows faith in people. And yet most of the time, we would never volunteer for this. Because the same circumstances that have the potential to turn us away from God, also in many situations have actually can turn us toward God. If we allow him, God can use these circumstances to grow our faith in him. Now this isn't an excuse to explain away the gap between what we perceive of bad circumstances and a good God. This is the way that just God works. And the way that he has worked from the beginning. Uh, One of the best illustrations of this comes from a story in the life of Jesus that many of you may know of or have heard about. Uh, Some of you might know the end of the story as soon as I start talking about it. But I want to challenge you to experience the story with the characters and not jump to the end just yet. Uh, This situation is kind of strange because at the very least, Jesus seems to leverage a negative circumstance to grow someone's faith. But arguably, he creates a negative circumstance to grow faith in people. We're going to be in the uh, Bible app if you want to go to John chapter 11. Uh, If you want to follow along, you're welcome to download the Bible app. Head over to Bible.com slash app. Once you have the app, you can click the more menu option in the bottom right corner, then events, and you can find our church. We'll also have the notes and verses on the screen as well. Uh, Begin John chapter 11, beginning verse 1. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. Now again, Jesus knows these siblings as he's shared a meal with them. He's visited their house, and and it's likely that they supported Jesus' ministry financially. Verse 3. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is sick. 
Now, at this time, Jesus is probably about two days away, so they just sort of sent a messenger to go tell Jesus what's happening. And they must have been close enough friends that Jesus would know who this very dear friend was. Uh, their relationship must have been close enough because Jesus healed many people and he would have known many people. Uh, most he would never see again. And since they were close, of course they would call on Jesus at this time when their brother was sick. Verse 4. But when Jesus heard about what happened to Lazarus, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God. And Jesus sort of challenges our categories or our circumstances, and maybe he just sort of creates a whole new category of circumstances. And in this category, sickness, illness, disease can be for God's glory. Or at the very least, he sort of redefines what the finish line and the purpose of circumstances is. Uh, some of us would say, I, I would rather the glory to come to God uh, from me scoring the winning touchdown. The reporter sort of sticks the camera and the microphone in my face, and, and then I can say, I want to give all the glory to God. Or maybe you would rather the glory go to God when you get a promotion or a raise or an award at your job. And when people talk to you about it, you could just say, well, oh, I just have to thank God so much. Like, he's really helped me through this. And Jesus says, that's good, but there's actually another category or another faith-building program that's actually more effective. This program is where something negative happens, and I'm going to allow it and then leverage it for my glory to build your confidence in me. Verse 4, but when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, now just to make sure you understand that this isn't just some family somewhere, a group of people that he doesn't really know. Jesus knew their names and where they lived, and he loved them. So he stayed where he was for the next two days. He did exactly what you wouldn't expect him to do. For someone who could heal sick people, for someone who, who loved this sick person and his family, we wouldn't expect that person to not come as quickly as possible. And that seems a little bit confusing at the least and infuriating at the most. And so Jesus gets word that his, sick, his friend is sick, and then for two days he did nothing to help his friend. You felt that, haven't you? Like, you've called out to God, God, help me, God, I need, God, I'll do whatever, and it seemed like nothing happened. God seemed to do nothing for you. And then after two days, while Mary and Martha suffer, watching their brother die, Jesus said this in verse 11. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Like what? He died? Like the close friend Lazarus that you love Jesus, he's dead? Verse 15, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. Well, like what about for Lazarus's sake? Or what about for his sister's sake? Mary and Martha's sake? And around Jesus are these disciples who are probably asking some questions. And he's going to hand this whole thing over to them at some point. And Jesus says, I'm glad because I have something in mind that is so big and so major that I want you to learn that I'm willing to let other people be disappointed in me. And that is how important this lesson is that I'm about to teach you, Jesus would say. Verse 15, And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. And for now is also sort of translated, so that, meaning that this is the reason. Do you want to know why? So that you will really believe, Jesus says. And basically, as if you mean to tell me that, that if belief is here and death, pain, and suffering are here, that at times belief is more important than being healed? And I know belief is important, but you're telling me you would allow for someone you know and love, someone you call a friend, you would allow for them to die? And for their loved ones to, to not just suffer, but to suffer so that we could have bigger faith? 
Is bigger growing faith really that important, Jesus? And Jesus would say, yeah, it is. And if you aren't a Christian or you sort of walked away from faith in God, most likely you've said something similar to this. Like, I can't believe in a God who, whatever. I can't believe in a God that would do that. And, and part of the reason that we as Christians believe what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in this case specifically, uh, would write about Jesus is because this is too severe to make up. Like, if, if you're going to make up and create a story about someone, it doesn't make much sense to include this part of the story. That this is in total opposition to what most of us want to believe about God and our relationship with Him. And Jesus says, my purpose is for you to have big, strong, growing faith. And when our circumstances intersect God's purpose, our faith grows. Martha hears Jesus is coming, and so she goes looking for him. So one of our points for today is to see God in our circumstances. We start with the simple rhythm of looking for God. That Martha looks for Jesus, and when he finally arrives, verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Martha says what many of us really have probably said to God, even if you aren't a Christian, in some way, shape, or form, we've probably said this. Like, Jesus, this is your fault. Jesus, if you've I've seen you heal strangers, Jesus. I've seen you heal people that weren't even in your presence or didn't even believe in you. Jesus, I heard that one day, a Roman centurion who sort of represents our oppressors, you healed his servant. So why wouldn't you come and heal my brother? Why wouldn't you come and heal him? So I didn't have to answer the questions, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus, other people might ask. I thought he was your friend. It's not just that I had to watch my brother die, but I had to watch my brother die not knowing if you were even coming. And what Martha says next is really a powerful shift. And what she said so far seems to be fine with Jesus because he doesn't really correct her. But she, what she says next will really be our focus for today. Verse 22. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And this is really a rather amazing response because Martha is standing before the man, the, the Savior, who didn't answer her request the way that she wanted. And she's honest about it. But she still displays confidence and faith in him, that he says some sort of connection with God. And when she has no reason to have confidence and faith in him, she still does. And so one of our points is to see God in our circumstances, we start with rhythms acknowledging God. And last week we mentioned that the, the subtle differences between the terms habits, disciplines, and rhythms, and you can go back and watch that message on our YouTube channel later. But whichever word helps you, we all need rhythms or habits with God all the time, but especially when we aren't sure where God is in our circumstances. We need to sort of regularly practice responding to or acknowledging that God is present with us. And this can happen in several ways, and it looks differently. Uh, this might be one of the most significant reasons, though, to pray. Not to ask God to do things, but because prayer turns our hearts and our minds to God, as well as what and where He might be working. Uh, secondly, this can be just done by starting your day with a simple acknowledgement that God is ultimately in control. Uh, this can be done by requesting God to help you to see the people and the circumstances of the day ahead the way that he wants you to see them. Now what happens next is important, but the details of what happens next might not match up with what happens in your life. That the main idea is still applicable no matter what happens after your pivotal circumstance. That to see God in our circumstances, we start with rhythms acknowledging God. Verse 21, Martha said to Jesus again, Lord, if only you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Because basically she thinks that Jesus is saying, well, you're going to see your brother again someday. It's sort of the same thing that everybody says at funerals now, and it looks like maybe they said that back then as well. 
Verse 25, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. That yes, Jesus was a good teacher, but he was much more than that, partially because of this statement. That Jesus would say to Martha, you're right to say that God could give me whatever I ask, but it's bigger than that, Martha. You're right to say that I'm a miracle worker and I could save your brother, but it's bigger than that. That you can't make a statement like this without sort of backing it up. And so here's what Jesus says, anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? And in Greek, there's really no word for trust. There's only the word belief or so believes in really it does mean trust. This whole situation is about believes in or trust Jesus. And Jesus would say, I want you to believe in me more. I, I want to grow your confidence in me. And I would go to these links to grow that confidence. Now, you might not be comfortable with that. And to be completely honest, as your pastor, I'm not always sure how comfortable I am with that. But this is what Jesus did. This is how important our faith is to God. That God is willing to make us uncomfortable. Verse 27. Yes, Lord, she told him, I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. And Martha says this even though Jesus let her down and didn't heal her brother, even though he didn't answer her request on time, even though she probably told her friends and family that he would come, but he didn't come in time, even though she has nothing to hang this belief on. And then Mary, Martha's sister, meets Jesus and says sort of the same thing her sister said. Verse 32, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And maybe one of the points that is most important for someone to hear today, who maybe you've recently gone through or currently are going through some disappointment with God, you might need to hear that you can bring your disappointment in God to God. He isn't afraid of it. He isn't going to condemn you. He isn't going to yell at you for your lack of faith. Because as we're going to see in verse 35, then Jesus wept. That Jesus asked to be taken to the grave, and he's standing there with all the mourners. And this is the intersection of our world and God, and here's where Jesus stands. Jesus who can perform miracles. Jesus who, who is the resurrection and life. Jesus who knows what he's about to do next. And instead of rushing in to perform the miracle and make the situation sort of all about himself by doing that, he pauses in their pain to feel and experience what humanity, Mary and Martha, you and I, experienced during these circumstances. At the gravesite when you lost a loved one, when God didn't come through for you, when your life didn't turn out the way that you thought it would. In those circumstances where it seems like God isn't doing anything and maybe doesn't know uh, what we are going through, Jesus pauses long enough to actually understand what this feels like. And if Jesus was really God and man, then this moment teaches us that God knows the disappointment, the sadness, the anguish, and more that you and I have felt, and he weeps with us. And so after some time, Jesus says, roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. And Lazarus is sort of buried in a cave like Jesus would eventually be buried in. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, saying, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Like, Jesus, you didn't just miss the funeral. You missed it by four days. And four days by now, the body's going to be stinking quite a bit. Verse 40, Jesus responded, Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Now, all of this is, is not just for their benefit. It's actually for my benefit, for your benefit, because Jesus is going to do something pretty powerful here. And he prays kind of an odd prayer first. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. 
you always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Uh, basically, do you think everyone noticed that you and I have this connection? Because I'm about to do this thing and I want to make sure they connect it together. Verse 43, then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes and his face wrapped in a headcloth. And more than just the Bible says, John says, Mary and Martha say, the gospel writers say, the eyewitnesses say that Lazarus rose from the dead. Verse 45, many of the people who are with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. That they trusted or believed in Jesus when he made this thing happen. That Jesus didn't simply leverage a painful situation. In many ways, he created a painful situation. Or at the very least, he was briefly inactive in order to show the connection between pivotal circumstances and growing our faith. That God will leverage anything and everything to grow our faith. And there's a connection that we might not fully understand here on earth, but the idea that God won't allow bad things to happen to good people is not a Christian view of God. Because of this situation, but probably more importantly, because of the death of Jesus. A horrendous thing that happened to the best person. That God will leverage anything and everything to grow our faith. Which means miracles like this, but it also means tragedies. That many times it is the thing that we don't expect that God will leverage to grow our faith. Just like he did with Mary and Martha through Lazarus. And this is hard to hear. Except sometimes when we hear the stories of other people. That those stories and circumstances can be hard to understand and can often turn people away from faith. So do you know what can be the difference between a person who, who leans into God during difficult circumstances and a person who leans away from God? The circumstances can either sort of push people away from faith in God or they can sort of strengthen their confidence in Him. Those things when, like, my mom died when I was 15 and, and I spent 20 years running away from God. Uh, when I was 18, that thing happened. And, and if God can't do better than that, then I'm done with God. Do you know what makes the difference between a person who, who runs from God and a person whose faith is sort of grows and becomes good because of a pivotal circumstance? There are a few differences, actually. But it usually starts with our response, which is closely tied to the posture of our heart. So do you have regular rhythms of leaning into God, acknowledging Him as the leader of your life? Uh, it's sort of similar to why we practice anything, really. You could count all the sports, music, public speaking maybe, perhaps. We practice so that when we get in the circumstance, we have practiced our response. And when the rhythm of the regular, uh, sort of regularly responding to God by acknowledging Him as the leader, then we can respond the same way when we get in any difficult circumstance. So, do you have rhythms or habits of responding to God, acknowledging Him in your life? Uh, quickly, sort of another thing that impacts both our response and the posture of our heart to acknowledge God is really the people we have around us or the lack of people we have around us. And this is why we have small groups. A small group of people who help us look for God in difficult circumstances, who pray for us, uh, who help us look at circumstances from a different perspective. We all need people who will do that with us. You can head to nlnc.org groups to get in a group like that. As we wrap up our time together today, uh, we, we all know this, but pain and suffering aren't new, right? And when we are, in hurting, when we are hurting in difficult circumstances, uh, pain in those circumstances can seem like arguments against God. But tragedy and pain aren't arguments against the story of God. They're actually a part of the story of God. That pain and suffering are circumstances in Jesus' story as well. And if you're in the middle of one of those pivotal circumstances 
where you're sort of saying, I'm so disappointed with God. I don't know where to turn to and I don't have any answers. I'm almost at the point of despair. I would invite you to add a prayer to your life, something like what Martha said. God, I'm looking for you and I acknowledge you in my life. God, I would love for you to change this circumstance, but either way, I want to see you in this. Now, that's a great prayer for those of you who are unchurched or not Christians yet or you're skeptical of God. Because yes, you can pray that to see God in our circumstances, we start with regular rhythms of acknowledging God. Philip Yancey says it this way, there is only one thing worse than disappointment with God. Disappointment without God. That all of us at some point are going to be disappointed with God. But you can still be disappointed with God within the context of trusting him at the same time. It might be days, weeks, months, years, but God will use tragedy and our circumstances to do something in us and through us, namely growing our confidence and trust in him. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this passage. Thank you for the story that is really so powerful. And in many ways, it can speak to our hearts because we've been in those moments where we've felt the pain and the disappointment and the sadness that it didn't seem like you came through for us. And God, in the same regard, you somehow show us that you can use negative circumstances. You can use all the circumstances of life, and you will really use all the circumstances of life to help grow our confidence in you. That you're able to grow something in us, our, our faith and our trust, that will be eternal in some regards. And you'll use all the, the non-eternal things to do it. So God, would you help us to have that perspective at times? Would you help us to have rhythms in our life where we acknowledge you, where we look for you? Whether that's through prayer, whether that's through a small group, a life group, whether that's through um, reading the scriptures and, and just sort of filling our lives with, with people around us and, and, and um, maybe music and lots of other things that can help us to acknowledge you in our lives. Because God, I know that for me, I can go seasons or days or hours critical moments without acknowledging you if I'm not careful. So God, would you help us to have rhythms where we acknowledge you? Would you help us to find ways that we can see you or look for you in our lives, even when we're going through difficult circumstances? Because you promise you'll be there with us. But sometimes, God, it's hard for us to see you. So God, would you do something in our hearts? Would you help us to establish these sort of rhythms, to know the importance of these rhythms, why it's important to pray, not just to ask for things, but so that you can turn our hearts in the direction that you're going and the direction that you're taking us. Would you help us to value these rhythms so that we can see you in all of our circumstances? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.